Hello, and welcome to the Creative Native Podcast. I'm really excited to get this thing off the ground. This is going to be our first episode. I've been wanting to launch a podcast with Native athletes for a while now. Uh, My name is Natalie. I've uh, previously worked with Nike N7 and really been following Native athletics for over over a decade now and I just think it's so amazing what our athletes are doing in the community and they all have such great stories that I wanted to give them a platform to share that so that's the point of this podcast um this first episode we have a really awesome guest Noah Hotchkiss um who is originally from Colorado and he um is currently a sophomore at the University of Illinois and a wheelchair basketball athlete and he's really bringing awareness around disabled sport in Indian country, something that I think um, really has been untouched and something I think that is important for us to think about when we think about um, um, athletics and accessibility. So uh, yeah, the episode's coming up. Uh, Give us a subscribe, give me some feedback. Any any feedback's greatly appreciated. We're on Twitter at Creative Native with a little bit of a weird spelling. We're actually going to be at C R three A T I V E N A I V E. So a little funky way of looking at Creative Native, but yeah, follow, subscribe for the podcast, leave us a review. I really appreciate you taking the time out, and hope to hear from you soon. And now let's hear from Noah. Hey, Noah. Hey. How's it going? It's going well. How are you doing? Good. Is now still a good time for you? Yeah. It's okay. A great time. Sweet. Happy Friday. So Happy are you Friday. are you are you back in school? Yeah, so uh, school started on the twenty seventh of August. Practice just started this week. Oh yeah, are you excited? Yeah, it's going so going well so far. Yeah. Are you in your going into your second year? Yeah, I'll be my sophomore year. Oh, nice. Very cool. So I'm recording just so you know, because I would love to like turn this into like my first little podcast if you're cool with it. Yeah, that's probably fun. Awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to like send it to you before I post it and everything too. I did. I started a podcast a couple years ago that was more um, general, but I wanted, I've always wanted to do one focused on like native athletes in particular. And ever since your dad kind of told me your story, I was just like, I can't wait to talk to you. Um, can you tell me, can you just start by like, like, did you grow up in Colorado? What, like, what are your, like your earliest memories of like playing sports and stuff? Um, so I was born in Durango, Colorado on August 18th, 1998. Uh, I was born in the science fiction section of the library. What? Oh, it, it, it's a library now. It used to be a hospital, but I can tell that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so I grew up mainly playing soccer was a huge influence. Um, I did a little bit of dirt biking at the same time. So, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of soccer kind of, uh, played in the, I don't really know what it's called, the Tiwi League. Yeah. Um, or like our little tribal league that we would have and. I'd say I did fairly, fairly well. I give myself a little credit. Yeah, of course. Um, Who's going to tell you any different, honestly? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I played soccer till ooh, I, sixth grade, till I got injured. Mm. And I 
played a year of football in there. Yeah. Threw it in a little bit. That was really fun. Um, never really got into basketball or um, track and field kind of stuff. But yeah. uh, just because soccer was kind of my, my calling, I felt like it was. Yeah. Like, I really loved it. Loved the sport. Um, kind of was a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a crazy guy, but... Um, I always had this thing where I never drank water during the game, and it was so such a bad habit. I got. Oh through. yeah, I I used to do that with my running. Like I would um, like run like half marathons and like not stop because I didn't want to stop and like drink water. <laughs> yeah, and they'd always tell me, "No, drink water." I'm like, "No, I'm I'm good. I got this." And yeah. <laughs> Five yeah. minutes later, I'd be like, "Give me some water, please." <laughs> yeah, like no, no need to like stop and like you know, you just don't want to waste any time. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So, what was your family like growing up? Were your parents together or? Mm, so at three years old, um, my parents divorced. Um, so I, my dad got custody of me, and I lived, and we moved twenty miles away from. The, the reservation that I lived on the Southern Newt Res to Durango, Colorado. Mm, and gotcha. There, um, you know, we stayed at my, which is now our house, but it was my grandma's house um, where we would stay. And then uh, she moved to, she got a teaching job somewhere in Wisconsin. So she gave us the house or let us use the house. And we, I've been living there ever since. Um, but yeah. I would have visitations with my mom, so, and that was all right. She, uh, during that time, she was kind of going through uh, kind of some of the hardships of res life, which is uh, alcoholism and drugs and that kind of stuff, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely dealt with that in my time, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was definitely a kind of a struggle, but also uh, kind of gave me that, a lot of people say it's like that weird opportunity to grow up faster than you needed to. Yeah. It's because I had to make sure that my sis- my younger sister was okay. Like if my mom got drunk when we were over during the weekend and like make sure that she gets to bed and do that kind of stuff to kind of um, make sure that she didn't really have any. My little sister was fine and safe during that time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have any other brothers and sisters or just a little sister? So I had an older sister too but she um left with my grandma up to wisconsin to go uh schooling there and so it was just me and my sister yeah uh, younger sister for the for i think till high till yeah around uh after my accident is when they moved back gotcha so it sounds like you were still able to like stay pretty connected to the res though right is that right yeah so um even though they divorced, uh, I stayed in the Monastery Academy, which is kind of like the elementary school uh, in Ignacio till fourth grade. So that would have been uh, like three, four years where I'd drive back to the res and kind of um, see all my family there. So I was pretty connected with the res, with a uh, kind of res life. I go to powwows all the time and kind of just stay connected like that but yeah after yeah. fourth grade it kind of dipped off in a way that I switched schools and I started going to Florida Mesa um which was about a mile away from my house so kind of 
yeah. moved a little closer to home. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it's really hard to, like, everyone always asks, like, what was it like growing up on a res or, or like, having that involvement in that community? And it's like, you don't really know how to compare it because there's not anything to compare it to. You, um, mm-hmm. But it sounds like you kind of had a good variety of experience. Did you keep in, did you keep friends in the, in that area? Or is it kind of just like fourth grade's pretty young. So I could see, <laughs> see making a lot of new friends. Yeah. So kind of after fourth grade, um, like the only people I really kept up with on the res were, um, maybe one or two friends that were good friends. And then, um, mostly just my cousins and family over there. Um, yeah. After that, I was kind of secluded. I started making new friends in Durango, so it kind of just shifted. Kind of like I moved and had to kind of rebuild and start over, but I still had one or two connections back at the other school that I kind of saw every now and then and said hi to. Yeah, yeah. So the accident, you were in a car wreck, is that right? Yeah, so it was a head-on car collision. Um, the guy who hit us, he fell asleep at the wheel. Mm. He was um, driving his girlfriend to her shift at the casino. And at the time, we were dropping off my dad to fly to Denver to pick mm. up a van that uh, had some problems when we went to Denver a while back. Oh, okay. uh, he was going to get it and drive it back home. And I was going on visitations with my mom, so kind of there's this really bad turn on the road where you just can't really see any oncoming traffic. And it was right at that corner and just, um, he fell asleep and kind of just hit our car. I don't know exactly where he hit. I know he hit us head on. Though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so who all, you, you was your, your mom driving or your, so my stepmom was your driving gotcha. at the time, Cassandra. So my dad remarried, uh, gotcha. Around the age of seven. Gotcha. Um, and uh, so it was my stepmom, Cassandra. And so everyone that was in the car was Cassandra, my stepbrother, Dante, my little sister, Amada, and me. And um, my stepmom, sadly, uh, died in the crash. Um, oh, yeah. Instantaneous. The airbag didn't didn't go off. Oh, I'm and, so uh, sorry. That's awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, my stepbrother, Dante, had two fractured arms and a traumatic brain injury. Mm. Um, my sister, she broke her leg through a growth plate, and I think she broke her arm as well. Yeah. Um, and then me, um, I would say physically, I got the worst of them. Yeah. Is, um, so I got a complete T6 spinal cord fracture and a broke my wrist and a piece of glass came and cut my tear duct near my Mm. eye. Um, And so I kind of had to get surgery kind of all over the place. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember how long you were in the hospital? Uh, Three months. Yeah. So. Yeah. And did you even know like really at the time what that, like what that meant to you? Was it, was it hard to really process? I'm guessing it was pretty hard to process everything. Mm, surprisingly it was it definitely was hard to process everything I was definitely very sad just because you know everything happened my life kind of 
changed. I wasn't able to move my legs anymore. Like it was, everything was so new mm-hmm. at the time. It kind of just waking up. Um, but I mean, uh, I always remember like this one part where it kind of flipped a little bit. Um, it was for like the first month, I never really smiled or laughed or said anything. And I remember, uh, watching the Cartoon Network and watching Phineas and Ferb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's this exact episode where, uh, Harry the Platypus was going up against Dr. Doofenshmirtz and they were fighting with these, like, Harry had a hot dog and Doofenshmirtz had a sausage, like one of them huge sausages and they're kind of fighting and Dr. Doofenshmirtz, like, does, like, this force, like, he's trying to use the force. Yeah. And I don't know why that just... That, that just got me and I just started cracking up and laughing and my auntie was right next to me <sighs> we just started like that was like the first time I actually laughed in a while and it's like that was kind of a huge changing point for me yeah um, also during that same episode uh, uh, Perry the Platypus knocks the sausage out of Dr. Doofenshmirtz's hands and uh Dr. Doofenshmirtz, instead of giving up, he, like, bites the hot dog and, like, <laughs> fighting. It was super funny. Yeah, I, my older mate used to love Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, yeah. so. It's so That great. was kind of one of the few things that kind of, like, just kind of helped get me in the good spirits, I'd say. Yeah. Then I'm guessing you had to do rehab for a while after. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, kind of rehab, um... OT, occupational therapy, so like gotcha. learning how to dress myself again and take showers and do everyday household things kind of also had to kind of relearn. It was kind of like a, taking my, like as a baby, you know, you had to learn to walk and all this stuff. Yeah. It was kind of the same, same thing. Like my arms were my legs now and I kind of had to learn how to, how to use them yeah. to, my, to my advantage. Yeah, and then was everybody else, like your dad and your sister, brother and sister, were they able to recover? Yeah, so they're, um, my sister still has some problems with her leg just because where the break was kind of inhibited growth a little bit, so she's had a couple surgeries on her leg, but um, other than that, my brother Dante, he's he's doing well. They actually got out. They were only in the hospital for about a month before they were released back gotcha. into Rico. Gotcha. And then how did you, like, was it immediately that you were like, okay, I need to find something to, like, be active? Or how did that How did that happen? So after I got back, um, it wasn't really like I need to find something to be active. I was just finding some some how to fit in I mm, guess yeah so my initial thing was I played a whole bunch of video games oh yeah because that's kind of what I thought like I kind of I didn't know about adaptive sports at the time yeah kind of I didn't really know that I could do anything so what I would do and what I was good at at the time was kicking people's butt at video games so I'd play a lot of Halo and Call of Duty and kind of just you know, be in my own little world or realm, yeah. I'd say. And that, that kind of went on for a year, a couple of years. Um, my dad got me into, so the first time I actually got out and got moving um, was when my dad got me involved in uh, the adaptive sports program in Durango, mm. um, which they did uh, skiing. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. So I remember my dad telling me the story of like the first time he got me out on the mountain, I cried the whole time. And I did that like every time I went skiing because <sighs> I hated it. I hated skiing. Like just having to be forced outside to work was so like, ah, yeah just horrible yeah that's so um, funny because most people are like you know as soon as I started doing this I loved it and you know so that's great <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah I was kind of the opposite like I hated skiing and I always dreaded like <laughs> going to the mountain to go ski down a hill like like now that I think about it I'm like what was I thinking at the time yeah do you still ski um, yeah so I ski um uh, at some point I met Elena Nichols who's like a super awesome Paralympic sport yeah. women's athlete. And yeah. she, she won gold in ultra basketball and won golds and mono skiing. And she came over and I have a picture of her like dangling her medals off me. And like that kind of turned my point. And I started liking skiing a little more, you know, yeah. I wouldn't complain as much going out there. Um, actually, so, I think it'd be two years of skiing and I was actually getting pretty good. I started, uh, not necessarily racing super competitively, but I would go out and kind of do kind of small little competitions. So like special Olympics competitions and all that stuff, um, just for fun. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I was introduced to, we went to a ultra basketball, uh, ultra basketball program. Or I'm forgetting the name of the actual camp that I went to. Um, it was in Albuquerque and kind of they did a whole bunch of sports. So they did tennis, uh, basketball, track and field, swimming, handball, volleyball, like just a whole variety of sports. And that was kind of my first time actually being introduced to a sport with kids my age. Yeah. Um, and after that camp, it kind of set the wheels in motion that I wanted to do sports because, like, I would see how competitive some of these kids were playing wheelchair basketball, and I'm like, okay, I really want to play wheelchair basketball now. And so um, I kind of started getting out a lot more, not sitting inside playing video games. And um, the next year when I went to the same camp, you know, I, I, was do- I, was, I saw a greater improvement in how I played and so just kind of that idea of um, kind of wanting to, you know, beat these guys that are like the same age as me, yeah. same age as me. And like my competitive side came out of like, let's yeah. go. I can definitely uh, push them and all this stuff. So um, that kind of was the, the wheelchair basketball camp and meeting Elaine and Nichols were definitely kind of the turning points that kind of ignited the, the, the small fire inside my, my belly to, to go out and be competitive at, at a lot of the stuff that I was doing already. Yeah, yeah. Now, were there any natives in any of this, uh, any of the activities? Negatives? Na- natives, like native, oh. native people. So, mm, that was definitely the struggle. Um, from what I know... When I went skiing, there was really no natives at all. Yeah. But there'd be a group of Hawaii, like Hawaiian natives. Yeah. That would be sent over because uh, 
they get sent over through this program. And so that was kind of skiing-wise the only natives that I ever saw skiing at the time. Yeah. And then basketball-wise, um, I think I met one native person yeah. throughout my time. But it wasn't, it wasn't a lot. It wasn't yeah. a lot. Yeah, um, It wasn't until, like, we started the, the program on uh, Tribal Adaptive that we actually started seeing a lot more disabled natives um, come out and participate in these sports regularly. Yeah. How did you, how did you come up with that idea to start it? Was it, you realized there was a kind of a need for it and, or you kind of just wanted to have something that you could, you know, use, you know, spread for other people like you? So the original idea was eighth grade. Um, It was originally intended just to find money to do a sports camp in my Mm -hmm. area. So kind of invite a whole bunch of people to come to this camp. Um, it wasn't native based at the time. It was just gotcha. kind of this idea of like, let's, let's get, let's get a sport camp in Durango and kind of, uh, cause I had a disabled cousin as well that we were like, yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to invite him. We're going to invite some other people in, around town and we're just all going to do some sports. And, um, and then kind of we, uh, my dad uh, started going we go to where we go to a lot of peyote meetings and all this stuff and mm-hmm. so we started seeing more and more disabled natives through going to these meetings that we kind of talked with them and started understanding that there was kind of this real need of like these guys don't have anything they're kind of cut off from the world like they just sit at their house all day and do nothing like there's an actual need here for uh, sports um, or, or just interaction with other disabled people in general, yeah. not even sports, that we decided to shift focus from kind of having just a wheelchair sports camp to um, really focusing on outreaching to disabled natives and moving it to the reservation so that we could outreach to a lot of these guys that if, uh, when they start playing sports, they feel a lot better and like just seeing the change in their life their lives after participating in one of these camps yeah yeah that's great that's so great and how like did it just kind of start with that one camp it sounds like and then you kind of just started growing more and more mm-hmm. yeah so the first camp was a little little hectic but uh, we applied for some fairly big grants um and won them and so that kind of helped us network out to people and then also we would have money to host camps and do all this stuff um i think the first big grant we got was from running strong for american indian youth dream starter project yeah and they gave us ten thousand dollars and they invited me up to washington dc to do this week-long training program where they train us on kind of what we needed to do and how to run a program and that kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, yeah. That, and from there we had one year to spend the $10,000. So we, we decided to do four camps throughout that year and it, it worked out really well. Yeah. Say. How, what was that like going to DC? Was that a big, big thing for you? Um, it was definitely a, a pretty big thing. 
Um, by the time I was going to DC, I was pretty independent with a lot of the stuff I needed to do every day. Mm-hmm. So like, um, being able to feed myself, being able to push around really well, um, kind of like, I was already kind of in that physical fitness beginning stages where I was able to do a lot more stuff than I could have done. So traveling to DC, it was me and, um, the program, the assistant program director, um, uh, and it was, I want to say it was my first time staying alone, but Mm. it was just, um, it was quite the experience. I would say kind of, you know, getting on my, getting on a plane and, um, navigating the subways of Washington, DC and the running strong was very helpful in like sending someone to meet us at the airport and kind of guide us around to where we needed to go. And, uh, I've always, uh, kind of something I can accredit to myself is I'm pretty good with uh, staying calm and finding where I need to go. Like getting lost isn't really my concern Yeah. because I always, uh, I always for some reason remember small details of places that uh, if I circle back, I'll find them and I know where I'm at again. And kind of yeah. like that kind of stuff. So I've always been good with navigation. So Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's so great. How did you, so how did you end up at University of Illinois? Were you specifically looking at, you know, continuing your basketball career? So, um, University of Illinois, kind of. So originally, um, once we started participating and we got our uh, juniors team, so I was part of three juniors teams, the New, New Mexico Rolling Lobos and then they disbanded, so I joined the Phoenix Suns, and then they disbanded, and then I yeah. joined the Denver Rolling Nuggets. And <laughs> uh, throughout the years, you kind of um, we have this huge national tournament at the end of the year in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, there you kind of I got approached by uh, Matt Bushy, and I knew a couple other college coaches that kind of told me that they they kind of were keeping their eye on me and wanted to know where I was at in high school so it was kind of uh but it definitely caught us off guard just kind of seeing that there was college opportunities for wheelchair basketball Mm. um because at the time we kind of thought like oh this is a fun little sport but we didn't know it could actually take you to take you to college and kind of pay for your college and all this stuff so kind of learning that it kind of shifted my gears into like okay I really need to find a program that I like and that I want to go to, um, to play ultra basketball. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so what has it been, have, have you enjoyed it? Um, I mean, you're back, so I guess that's a good sign. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've really enjoyed the university. Alone. I mean, it's a great group of guys. Um, the women's team is also awesome. Yeah. Like really awesome. So like, you know, it's, it's a great vibe, you know? Um, yeah. I came back just because of that. Um, and also the school is a very good school to attend and mm, yeah. call degree at. So it's kind of just been two, those two are the major determining factors on where I want to go to college and why I chose the University of Illinois. Um, yeah. Do you see yourself 
kind of keeping working on tribal adaptive or, um, do you have other kind of career goals? So, yeah, I see myself, uh, after college, um, yeah, um, I kind of thought around this idea with that on how we're going to start it up again and how we're going to make it better. And once I get out of college, like how we're going to do all this. Um, mm-hmm. But that that's kind of seems to be the end goal is to come back to Tribal Adaptive and continue working with them to build the program and um, kind of still outreach, do outreach. Yeah. So. Do you have any, like, do you have any native, like a native student group at Illinois or any way to kind of stay connected that through that? So yeah, we have a we have the Native American house on campus, and the, even though the Native American population makes up, I think, point zero three percent of the <laughs> Illinois population. Yeah. <laughs> so the Native American house doesn't really have a whole lot of people like the actual natives on campus. Right. Um, like supporters. Mind, this is like self-declared native American, yeah so. or the people that are like supporters i'd get that's how i totally get that yeah yeah so um but i mean the native american house does a great job of like we're gonna go to a couple powwows this year and um we're gonna kind of get out there i would say um and do some things like that's how i kind of stay connected but there's there's other than that there's really there's no tribe in illinois so right. or reservation in illinois so like coyote meetings or any of that kind of stuff is kind of set on hold until i go back to durango yeah is that i mean the whole concept of identity is really it's really tough but like you know you have your identity as an athlete and your identity as a student how is your kind of have you really just in the past couple of years, like being native, how has that kind of identity changed? Do you feel like it's gotten stronger? Like since you've gone away to school? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is a good question. So I would say that first and foremost, like my major identity that I like really see myself in would have to be, sports mm-hmm. um, just because of like the impact it's made on my life and how it's changed yeah kind of what I do and how it's brought me up from the ground kind of idea but like definitely coming to college like my uh I've participated in a couple protests and uh native protests and all this stuff so like my native identity and native pride kind of thing has kind of grown I would say just hanging out with college students kind of hearing doing uh hearing about what they have to say and what they're arguing about and how i can get on board and help them with that Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of been it's 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 been growing i would say um yeah i know that for me college was a huge like especially if you grow up in a native community because you kind of you kind of just are what you are you know when you're growing up and but then when you go away and you kind of realize how big a part of it it is to you it's really changes a lot so um I I I could guess it would probably um keep growing in you and the athlete athlete part is yeah that's that's so it's just so easy to um kind of sink into because it is such a life changing and like just such an important role you can have um that's so that's that's really I'm just really excited for you it's so awesome it's such a cool and it's you know it's something that hasn't been done and it's something that's needed and um Mm -hmm. it's 
really inspiring. I was able, so I, um, I did sport management and undergrad and my master's and, um, I'm working now on my, starting my dissertation where I'm looking at native athletes, um, giving back to their communities and through things like tribal mm-hmm. adaptive and stuff like that. So I may even try to interview you for that, um, project as well. Okay. Like on a, like get you on camera or something. And, um, and it's, it is funny that you ended up at Illinois cause of all the chief alignment, Alina Cause that's what I get asked about all the time is like mascot stuff. It's like, and that's yeah. really why I started the PhD program. Cause I, all the scholarly like research on native athletes is or native Americans in sport is just around mascots. And I was like, well, I want to tell stories about our actual native athletes that are doing all this awesome stuff. And so, but I got to, when I was in my professional experience, I worked at N7 at Nike and then at the Nike agency ad agency and worked a lot with P and G and we did a lot of stuff with the Paralympics. And so that was, um, that was like, we had some really awesome Paralympic athletes. Um, Amy Purdy, I don't know if you've heard of her, but she was like a Mm -hmm. snowboarder. Yeah. And she was awesome. But yeah, we got to work with a lot of really cool athletes. The Paralympics is just so cool. Is that something that you're like maybe going to try for too? You know, the Paralympics, ever since coming to college, you know, before, before I came to college, like the Paralympics was like dead set on my mind. Like, let's, yeah. let's go, let's get to it. Yeah. Um, as of now, you know, I'm kind of in the air of like, do I really want to pursue this or do I want to kind of, drop back and pursue tribal adaptive um it's kind of just been a a juggling moment right now on like where i'm at with the whole paralympic uh scene right now yeah um yeah no that's totally i can totally understand that too because i can imagine it would be such a like a commitment and you know if you have other opportunities it's you know it's kind of like putting pause on your life I feel like so yeah yeah Yeah. I mean it's it's the whole idea of like what will make the most impact for me and like help impact because I'm always a growing up I've always liked to help others so yeah you know kind of this idea of like do I want to shoot for the Paralympics or do I want to branch off and help tribal adaptive and start this program and continue to build it so I can go help other disabled native athletes kind of get to that same level and kind of that will be my mark on on this world on kind of history of like starting this program and changing uh, life on the res for disabled native athletes kind of that kind of stuff so yeah no totally and that's what I keep trying to like with my committee and people talking about my dissertation. I'm like giving back is just something that is so inherent in our communities and like in native people that it's like, it's hard to really explain. It's just, it's just something that's so important to us. And like every athlete I've ever worked with has always had this like aspect of giving back. And so, um, it's just, it's, it takes it so much further than what most people see. They say, Oh, they use sport to like go to college or be successful. But it's like, well, they use it to also, you know, give back and help their communities too. So 
<laughs> it's just really inspiring. So it's been really fun to like, also to just like get away from like all the negative narratives that are out there, which I'm sure you are really aware of. But yeah, um, yeah so I'm really excited for you. Like, saw so you're you have you're it'll go by so fast, but like it probably feels so slow right now. But um, yeah, if there's anything I can help you with, let me know. Like tribal, that's just such a cool thing, and I can't wait to like help you kind of spread the word. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. So I'll um I'll be in touch and let you know when I get this kind of edited and posted. I'm actually going out to Alaska tomorrow. I've never been to Alaska, oh, wow. but have you heard of uh Damon Bellholter? He was a basketball player. Uh, from Alaska. I think I have. Yeah, and he's he does so much with the community and he I'm actually gonna film him for my dissertation and uh, so I'm going out there tomorrow. So that'll be really, I've never been, I'm pretty excited, but it'll be pretty crazy, but I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely be in touch and, um, keep up with you for, um, the dissertation stuff too. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And let me know if I can do anything for, you know, it's so good to talk to you. It's so good to talk to you too. Okay. Keep, uh, keep up the good work and good luck with everything. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.